Veteran Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday mornings come around again, and it's time for Let's Talk Gardening. And here we are. That is to say, we, it is me, Chris Bartlett here, sitting in this week for Ray because she is indisposed. But it's a pleasure to be here. When I got the email the other day, I said, well, why not? I'm here. Sun is up. Let's get on with the game. But of course, we can't do that without the lovely Faye, who is sitting opposite me this morning. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great, thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. Oh, indeed. And I'm very pleased to be sitting in with you for the next two hours. How did your day begin? Oh, um, Did you walk the garden? I I just woke up and... I walked around the back patio. That takes me a little while, Chris. I've been collecting plants and busy with my indoor and potted plants, giving them lots of love, particularly after the the last bit of heat we've had. Uh, I felt they were looking a little bit hungry, a bit worse for wear. So I got out there yesterday with the watering can and the seaweed, and there I was pouring the high baskets, seaweed washing down my arm. As you do. You can feel the change, can't you, in oh, the season? It's cool out there Isn't this it? morning. All of a sudden, bingo, the nights are that much chillier. And, of course, we had a little splash of rain. Did you get that on Thursday night we around about midnight? We did, a spit or two. <laughs> Anticipating so much and getting just a little gift. Hopefully there's a lot more to come in the future. All it did was dirty the leaves. I really had like a little wash-off. Yeah, and I had to clean the car because I hate seeing my car looking all dusty. <laughs> so here we are. It is uh, seven minutes past eight. It is Saturday morning. We're talking gardening till 10 because you are listening to Curtin FM 100.1. Please do not forget our telephone number, 94841927. If you would like to get your calls in and talk to uh, Faye this morning, or if you can't wait and you'd like to send us an email, it's the usual one, gardening at curtinfm.com.au. Now, besides the phone calls, of course, we have guests. We do. We've got two doctors in the house today. Two doctors. That's better than one. (laughs) Well, it is, isn't it? We've got Dr. Bob Longmore from Nana. uh We'll be speaking to him. I thought you'd like to have a chat. I'll be able to sit back, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) And joining us in the studio this morning will be Dr. Daryl Hardy. So he'll give us what's the, the buzz and what's trending on the latest pests. And two doctors in the house. Yes, they're better than one. And a big shout out to Ray, who's feeling pretty ordinary at the moment. Mm-hmm. The dreaded COVID has caught her. And like me, I don't know about you, but like me, you know, you think you've dodged it, mm. but she has somehow fallen prey to it. Just, and you wonder how, yeah. and you wonder where. Well, you, well, can we know now? I, I guess. I don't think she knows where she got it from, but maybe she might have an inkling. When you weigh it all up, you might start to think back to someone who was coughing or sneezing somewhere you were. But then maybe it could have been you passed someone in an office or... But what it reminds us is is how easy it is to catch it when you least suspect it and the fact that it's still amongst us. Yes. Well, a little while ago, it had ramped right up again, Mm -hmm. Uh, but... People have taken off their masks now. The 
yeah, the, things have been relaxed, and so we still we still have to be vigilant. I well, guess it's like the flu. There's another. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard the other day. There's another vaccine coming out. It'll be available in early March, and I was actually told to hold off because that the next one that becomes available very soon will cover the newest strains. So. Fingers crossed. I'll wait to hear hear what my doctor has to say. But I do a lot of flying, and I'm constantly aware of all the people in the little tube as you fly. You may be on the plane for an hour, an hour and a half. People, particularly the woman sitting next to me the other night, coming back from Kalgoorlie, going, (coughs) 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 and you think you slide your hand into your pocket and pull your face mask out and discreetly put it on because you can do nothing more and nothing less Well, protect um, yourself. Chris... We've got to keep healthy, don't we? You know, drink water, eat healthy food, get out in the garden, do a bit of exercise, of just keep yourself self happy and your plants as well. Mm-hmm. So building up resilience, don't let things get stressed. So keeping your mind and body healthy. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to that in a moment. I see we have a question from Leonie in Claremont who's called in wanting to know if you know where she can purchase Shrimp plants. What are shrimp plants? Oh, they're a gorgeous, hardy, old-fashioned plant, um, almost like a cottage plant. And the flower is uh, pinkish in colour, like a salmon-y colour. And they're they're a a really good performing plant in Mm. the garden. Let's let John uh, do a bit of Googling. Mm. I haven't seen any around in nurseries for a little while. So often nurseries will have these plants when they're looking their best. Uh, now, tomorrow mm. is the Kalamunda Garden Festival. Oh, so yep. there's a, a chance that these sort of plants might be available then. Um, but, yeah, let's pass that over to John. He's that, sitting out there with his big new big desktop yes, I saw computer. That. Oh. He had a malfunction on his laptop. Mm -hmm. So, oh, what a morning. Oh, yeah, indeed. (laughs) But he solved the problem and brought in his large monitor, so everything is under control. Now, here we are at the change of the seasons. Should we be thinking about the the ground in which we are now sort of re-fertilising, preparing for autumn growth or plantings and looking for particular things? It is time to start thinking and time to start planning. Uh, on the way in here this morning, Chris, I thought my suggestions for what to do at the moment might be, if you've only got 15 minutes, get out there and do a little bit of deadheading. Like, we've got this cooler week. I wouldn't have said to get out there last week because any protection mm-hmm. the plants are giving and creating canopy for the flowers and plants below is worth keeping, even if it's dry and burnt and crusty. Mm-hmm. But this week, get out there with your scissors and just give a little snip and tidy up. Remove dead leaves. Just uh, tickle the soil underneath. Remove any weeds. And maybe uh, check the soil for moisture holding ability. And add a bit of wetting agent. Okay. So that will put the garden in good stead. And work your way around. Give a little bit of love to all of those plants. Make aren't, sure the water's working properly. Yep. Aren't weeds amazing? <laughs> I mean, yes. You think you've got them all. You think, yes. And you come back a week or two later and there they are again. Well, and the summer weed that I'm seeing at the moment, I know there's a bit of portulaca weed around uh, and they're a succulent. So if you break them up and throw them on the ground, boom, they'll just keep going, take a life of their own. Uh, Crabgrass is another one that's around at the moment and that will 
be prolific in an area that gets moisture. So it might be in, in a rose garden bed or a veggie garden bed where bare soil is getting watered. So crabgrass hates mulch. So if, it, if you get it early and put a blanket of mulch over it, that will often smother it and keep it at bay. Otherwise, get in there, dig it up. But mulch is the key to moisture holding yeah. and weed suppression. Next week when I'm back doing breakfast, excuse me, um, I will um, bring in a sample of the grass I've got. I'm trying to get rid of it around and underneath my, mang- um, underneath my avocado tree. I put down um, cardboard. I put down black material that I got from you know where. And I put mulch over the top of it. And the grass has just come straight through it. So that's coming over the top. Uh It's either blowing in and germinating or it's coming from the side and it's runners or rhizomes. that's what it is. So creating a barrier around that Mm -hmm. and wherever it's coming from. But then I want to rip it all out and somehow I've got to get it all out. Obviously, it has fairly thin and deep roots that's holding it there. But I'll bring a sample in there, next week there'll and you can be give me advice. a source, Chris. It will mm. be coming from somewhere, so you, you tackle the source. Okay. And there are some organic treatments that you could hit it with. Hit it, newspaper, mulch. So a, th- a three-pronged attack. Let's talk about that next week because it's an ongoing challenge for me, I must say. Uh, shall we take our first call this morning? Lovely While we idea. have time, it's uh, 14 minutes past eight. Lots of time for lots of calls. Before we do, having you here is wonderful, of course. The program wouldn't be complete without. We've given credit to dear John outside. Let's not forget our wonderful producer, Bev, who's there on the telephones this morning, looking radiant as usual. 94841927. If you'd like to talk to Bev, who will let you know or let us know what you would like to talk about, something that's going on in your garden that's got you a little bit defeated or you need some encouragement on this wonderful Saturday morning, give us a call, 94841927, while we talk to Irina, who's in Mandurah. Good morning, Irina. Hello. Hi. Good morning, Irene. How, how can we help you? Well, I wanted to help you. Oh, um, excellent. I love, I love cyclamins, but I've always had trouble with them. And recently, my daughter and I were both given one, and mine wasn't doing too bad. Hers was nearly dying, so she gave it to me. I cut all the yellow leaves off. I've always watered them sparingly, thinking they didn't need much water. But I've found out that they love water. I bring them in the kitchen, stand them in the saucer, flood them from the top, flood them from the bottom, and they're doing wonderfully. Oh, fantastic. And do you know what? They like a little spell outside too. So I remember my nana saying, put them outside at night time because they love that chill. Yep, well, I do. They live out in the um, open patio. But um, as soon as they start to droop, I bring them in and I thoroughly water the top and make sure the sauce is wet. And then after it's soaked up, I put them back out. Oh, very good. Do you repot them too, Irene? No, because I've never had a chance to because they always die. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that that is another thing that we can do because I keep mentioning how often when we buy the plants, they're growing in a coir or a mix that is good for growing in, but it's not good on going. And so giving them a fresh potting mix can always help them too. And letting them die down and go dormant when the time is right. Yep, 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 yeah, I've done that. Actually, last year I did get one to carry over and I had a few flowers, but then it rotted off, yeah. Ah, And that's why the secret is to pot it on. Oh, okay, Mm. yep.
Good. Oh, well, thank you for your call. A success story. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Lovely to have you. Irene, the first call this morning coming in from Mandurah. Ready for yours whenever you're uh, available. And please don't leave them to the last minute. You'll get much better conversation and a chance to talk to our guest. Sorry, our guest this morning being Bob Longmore, Dr. Bob Longmore, in this hour. And uh, the studio guest uh, between 9 and 10 is Dr. Daryl Hardy, the senior entomologist uh, who's here to talk about all things that may be available in your garden, um, what's going on and what he can advise you. If you've got questions, give them to us via email at gardening. Sorry, well, send it directly to gardening at curtainfm.com.au or call us on 94841927. Now, here we are, as I said, and I keep saying because it's so obvious, Faye, that we are at the change of the seasons, talking of preparing. Um, when we get rid of deadheading, are we deadheading everything like roses, even kangaroo paws, anything that's just fallen off the top? Spent, finished. finished. You, you look at the plant and it's past its peak flowering and... You can tell by looking Mm. at it, they just about speak to you. It's time for a tidy up. So if you haven't done it, get out and trim your roses back by about a quarter to a third. Give them a feed. A quarter to a third? Yeah. If you haven't done that summer Mm -hmm. prune. Mm -hmm. And so what then happens, it triggers an autumn flush because it's autumn now by the calendar. And I would also dibble around the roses, get a dibber and you poke about four holes and you put in some controlled release fertiliser into the holes Mm -hmm. to give that some food because that's where the roots are. In a few weeks, boom, you'll, you'll get a good flush of roses. I remember in a previous program when I had the pleasure of sitting here, we talked about the dibber and how to do all that, I remember. We did. Now, in our garden, we've got quite a few kangaroo paws. Do you drastically cut those back? You can't. Well, you make a decision. You can either cut down the spent blooms right down to the base or you can give them a, a head shear mm-hmm. across the top and they will put on new growth. If the clump has been there for a long time... It might you might be advised to divide it. They sort of go a bit sparse and they end up with a, a lot of dead stuff in them. So perfect time to lift and divide mm-hmm. and replant. Thanks for that because I know you talked to, um, to Ray about that last week on the program, but I missed a bit of it. Now I've had your one-on-one advice. That's all good. I'm up to speed. It is now 19 minutes past eight. We'll be back with you in just a moment. Curtain Radio. 21 minutes past eight, never too late for your calls. We're going now immediately over to Yanjibup to talk to Charlie, who has obviously a white fly problem. Morning, Charlie. Good morning, morning, uh, people. How are you? Very good. How can we help you, Charlie? I've had a big um, white fly problem here, Faye. Incredible. My tomatoes and my beans have just been covered in them. You spray and then they just fly off. Well, that's probably a good thing. It's just annoying if they do come back. What are you spraying yeah, with, Charlie? Um, I've tried uh, that. Um, oh, um, uh, oh, just can't. Um, never mind. Uh, so, yeah. Never mind. Some of the, the, the you know, the um, bigger chemical stuff, you know, and I thought you go spraying. Um, with the lightest stuff and it was doing nothing, not even that does anything to it. Okay, all right. So uh, first thing I always recommend is to remove 
as large a part of the infestation as you can. can. So if it's harbouring under older leaves, deadish leaves, remove them. Get rid of as much as you can. So you've got actually less bugs to worry about. You could go out a bit more often with just a hose or a water sprayer because whitefly like a dry environment. So if you change that environment, they're more likely to move on and go somewhere else. Um, What else can we do? Spray something like eco oil, spray something like seaweed. I've tried that, yeah. And uh, last resort, I tried that malathion. Oh, is that registered okay for edible plants? Yeah, it is. Okay. It's for fruit fly as well, you know, it's for everything, yeah. All right. That's, yeah, it sounds to me like one of the higher registered chemicals, which I would avoid if I'm eating the food. Now, Charlie, yeah, yeah. one of my go-to things is setting up your veggie patch so that you've got companion plants Flowering plants that encourage good bugs into your garden, we call them garden guardians. So plants like parsley and carrot have a flower that is uh, like an umbrella and it's got lots and lots of little flowers. So in Mm. that you'll find pollinators that come in. So you'll bring in the bees, you'll bring in smaller insects like lace wings, uh, praying mantis, flower spiders long-legged flies, uh, hoverflies, all the good bugs that as part of their life cycle, their young are fierce predators of small soft-bodied insects. So they're an army waiting in the wings for a food source like whitefly or like aphids. So building up an army and a place for them all to live is a an advisable thing to do that could help you in the long term but yeah keeping an eye on what's going on and mixing up your plants planting flowers in amongst some of your veggies um and yeah creating the whole ecosystem not so much what we call a monoculture where they go whoa there's some tomatoes boom you know in we go or there's some beans boom in we go and that can help you long term. Yeah, um, uh, is mar- is marigolds okay, uh, Faye? Uh, marigolds. Marigolds are great companion plants in the veggie garden because they help keep the nematodes away. So, oh, okay. you know, having plants that do more than one job in the garden is great. And of course, marigolds, they look pretty, and they'll bring in the pollinators as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I'll try that because um, yeah, it's just uh, so many of them. Uh, when I go into pick them, they're all, they're all over my my shirt, my pants. Are just uh, just got uh, got so uh, frustrating, you know. Mm. But all right, what else? Uh, white Allison is one of my favourites. It's a ground covery plant, so this could work around your beans and also around your tomatoes, making a border and planting something like white alisum at the base of the plant because that is a plant that I know will harbour the lacewing larva and they'll start patrolling and they'll start eating up your pests. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, with parsley, you were saying parsley, 
Oh, when it gets to flowering stage, I, I, I uh, cut it down. Is that well, Charlie? I've got a new task for you. Don't cut down your parsley. <laughs> let it flower. Let it seed. Those seeds yeah. will drop. The flowers yeah. will bring in the good bugs, and the seeds will carpet your ground, so you have more, more weed control as well. So you're getting more of what you want, not what you don't want. Oh, okay. Thanks very much uh, for your information anyway. You're welcome, Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. Our caller coming in from Yandrabub this morning, more than happy with what he now knows to do to somehow be able to combat the white fly in his garden. That's wonderful. The time is now approaching 27 minutes past eight. Um, uh, Kingsley, we're going to have to wait uh, to talk to you about your... um, ground cover problem because our first guest is waiting for us on the phone right now and it's a great pleasure to welcome to uh, talk let's talk gardening on curtain fm the very renowned wonderful dr bob longmore good morning bob (laughs) morning bob good morning folks how are you very good now can you add anything to charlie's white fly problem oh the white fly uh, yeah let me tell you a little story uh, we put uh, tomatoes in our greenhouse when we first bought it, when we first set it up, with the idea, yeah, we'll take them through winter and everything like that. And it was an open invitation to whitefly. So um, we had a lot of difficulty with that. We put up the yellow sticky strips. Right, yes. Uh, you, get, you know, the sticky paper, yellow. And that does work. It takes a lot of them out. Uh, but it didn't fully cure them because once you get a good infestation. So I don't honestly have an easy answer. Uh, but that's what we try, the yellow uh, sticky traps. Fantastic. Good. Good. Now, it's been a while since we've t- talked, uh, Bob. I hope you've been well in the, throughout the summer months. Oh, yes, yes, going fairly fairly good, uh, fairly busy. We're, we keep saying we're trying to retire from retirement. <laughs> but, um, you know the story. Yeah. It's very busy, very busy weekend this weekend in Nana, of course, because it's the uh, music festival. Oh, of course. And, uh, the place is packed. Uh, but it's good, good atmosphere. Everything's are, looking very good. Are you contributing to the music festival, Bob? Not a lot, only by my presence. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, this yeah. is the. I, I have the good fortune to be a life member, as does Maggie, so uh, we get the tickets for that. But uh, Maggie's actually on duty in the town today with raffle tickets and everything. But uh, we've just got a new puppy called Coco, a little uh, toy poodle cross Shih Tzu. And uh, my job today is apparently just to look after that dog at home. <laughs> <laughs> now, Bob, you'll need to stay healthy for that. And health's a bit of our topic today. And you were mentioning the importance of a good pulse. Pulse, yes. Because... Uh, You're not talking about the heartbeat, are you? <laughs> well, it's related <laughs> to the heartbeat, of course. Of course it is. I've got the heartbeat in any case. No, I'm thinking beans and peas. Yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. And... Uh, some of my favourite food, quite frankly, and especially beans. And I've been doing a bit more experimenting this year. Um, I write a little article for a local newspaper, Telegraph, which comes out every month. I write food gardening, you know, for the uh, article. Just And really it's not one of those do this, do that, do the other. It's a bit of a chat. And in actual fact, the editor said to me the other day, I love it. It's as if you're sitting across an armchair just chatting about the garden, which I found a great compliment. Out of that, what I'm concerned about at the moment is the lack of rain in this area. 
And I just wanted to give you a couple of figures. Just tell me to shut up if I go on too much. Uh, <laughs> Never. December, December, we had a total of 13.4 mils. Wow. January, 1.1 mils. February, zero. And so far in March, I've had 5.7. Mm. The, 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 and that, that's the big problem in this area at the moment. We have these little flurries very, very occasionally. It's been a very dry uh, period in December, January, February. And, of course, a lot of your jobs are just watering because we have a lot of raised beds and all that sort of thing and trying to make sure that there's enough uh, water getting on everything. Pulses. Well, we tend to think of the uh, the beans in the summer and the peas for uh, you know autumn and winter that's the way i work what, uh, with the uh, peas some of the simple ones don't seem to work for me I, I don't know what it is and i did say in one of my articles i'm shuddering at some of this sort of idea of being a so-called expert in gardening when you have massive failures on occasions but um, I'm, I'm growing some beautiful snow peas uh one of these it's a japanese variety uh, Yamoto or something like that is called, and absolutely superb, very big pod. So I tend to do, and what I try and advise people to do, if you're getting good plants, let some of them go to seed. I heard you say, say about uh, parsley. Yes. And that's, again, one of these ones, uh, as you say, great to spread the seeds around a bit. Now, with the peas and beans, I do try and keep uh, seeds from good plants dry them off and have them ready for the next season because obviously they've grown well in your area they're accustomed accustomed sounds like they're thinking but accustomed to the climate and the weather and everything like that and if you've got a good variety pursue it one of the things i tried this year uh when we had the flower and garden festival in uh, august last year i um, bought some pinto beans different pinto beans from one of the suppliers. And uh, these are a bean which is more native to the southwestern states of North America. Now, you think about that, hot, dry, uh, you know, fairly arid conditions on occasion. But at least what I'm trying to think is, if we're going to hit that sort of set of conditions in the southwest, I mean, we've got changes in La Nina and El Nino. You know, these mean in actual fact, that we're getting drier conditions in this area. Should we be mimicking some of the things that they grow in these hotter areas in other countries? And that's why I got the pinto beans. They were very, very successful, mainly with the idea, yes, I'll keep them as a dried bean afterwards, but, of course, we picked them fresh as well. Absolutely beautiful. So I I got black cocoa, which was quite a good one, and Crow River. I like the title, Crow River. It's a romance <laughs> of a title like that. And they were superb. So I grew those this year in some of the raised beds. I grew my favorite uh, uh, climbing bean is Purple King and um, Blue Lake. Yes. And they, Blue Lakes were a disappointment this year, but the Purple King was absolutely fantastic. And again, picking fresh beans all the time. We put an awful lot in the freezer as well. So we're, I think they're a marvelous supplement for the uh, summer diet. And then when it starts to get a bit cooler, I prepare the gardens ready for peas. And as I say, I, I'm concentrating mainly on some of the telephone peas and the um, and the snow uh, snow peas. I love snow peas. So uh, that now the other thing about uh, keeping uh, healthy is greens. 
obviously the selection we have is massive. The, the, the backbone for ours is silver beet. And I know there's going to be warnings, don't eat silver beet every day because it's got oxalate in and that sort of thing. But our silver beet's been very, very good. We have a couple of leaves every so often. But you can also think a lot of the Asian greens, you know, and there's an awful uh, soy, there's an awful lot of uh, variety there. So I think the greens, the kales, a lot of people turn their noses up at kales, but kales are absolutely superb. Incidentally, we have one kale plant which would be now four and four to five years old. Wow. It's a curly kale, and we've just let it grow. It's, <laughs> it's like a small tree. Do you and, get uh, white fly on that? No. Okay. Outside in, outside in the garden, we don't get white fly. Now, that brings me on to another topic which I want to go on about, <laughs> just for a few minutes. You know, um, apparently one of the rules in Western Australia is you shouldn't really feed wild birds. And yet, in our garden, we feed all of the uh, blue wrens and the firetails and all that sort of thing. But we have a big population of blue wrens. Everywhere you go in our veggie garden, you'll see blue wrens. You'll see them in the back here. Now, small birds encouraged in your garden are going to eat an awful lot of those insects. Mm. And uh, I, I think that's a superb one. I got a lovely quote from Monty Don. Every bird must have food to eat, and more available it is, the more birds you will have. The richer and more varied your ecosystem is, the better range of creatures you will have right up the chain, including birds. So there you are. We do encourage the small birds, and I can guarantee if you come into our vegetable garden and in the orchard, you will see lots of small birds. And I think they do a lot of the job. We rarely get aphids. We have not seen white fly this year at all there. Um, well, you're not chemical users, are you, Bob? No, no. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest. I like to be very honest. The only chemical, and it's that that thing, glyphosate. I've got a glyphosate stick, which I use on a couple of things. Some of the, you know, the kaikui, which gets out of the ground and gets out in the road and everything. But uh, no, I don't use chemicals. I don't spray at all. And uh, it all works. I, I think the idea is to have a living garden well you've uh, got habitat all around you you've you've got all those building blocks you've got small bushes you've got ground cover you've got water yeah. you've kind of got everything for the critters the birds whether they're seed eaters or nectar eaters uh you've got perches etc yeah, we have a we have a uh we have wild areas again. That's something I'm trying to push like mad. If we, we, are, we are very fortunate, as you know, say we've got an eight-acre block and uh, a lot of trees and that growing in it. But we've also left certain areas, back of the veggie garden, for example, where it's, it's quite wild. There's the little um, uh, berry plants there. There's roses. There's the big lemon tree. There's grass everywhere. And that's a wild area. And the other thing is, that, you know, the nemesis in the garden often is uh, paper wasps. People oh, worry about paper wasps. And yet, you know, they clear an awful lot of pests up because they hunt caterpillars and things like that. Uh, the funniest thing is where you... Have you seen... Did you see our new pond, a swimming pond? Oh, yes. I've right. drunk wine next to it. 
<laughs> yes, you have. Yeah. Now that in the summer is a haven for paper wasps, and you, you're swimming there, and there's one particular section full of paper wasps. They don't do us any danger at all, but they, uh, in actual fact, they're probably one of our big pesticides as well. When you think about it, beneficial mm. insects catching an awful lot of stuff. The other animal we have here is quendus. You know the bandicoot? Yes, yes. We have loads of those in the um, in the veggie orchard. Well, the place generally, you see the diggings everywhere. Now, I don't know if they have any benefit at all, but we occasionally see them during the daytime, but they do have a lot of night activity. So the garden is um, very much an eco-retreat for us, mm. and uh, I think it works great. Now, Bob... Uh, sorry, you I've s- got off the topic, but... Uh, <laughs> You said massive failures, and I've written down equals new challenges. But I've also done a little graphic, uh, which is a SWOT analysis. So when we're planning our gardens, whether it be for future or against pests, I know you've yeah. got your food forest. So you've covered some of some of the threats, and you've created a garden to to maximise your production, but yeah. to cover. Everything. So we we look for the strengths. So that's the food we want to grow. We look for the weakness. So the weaknesses. pest attack or threats, and then we go forward, and we create a controlled environment to manage all the things. And of course, water is a factor. Yeah. Now I do wonder what is the answer to food gardens in a dry climate, and what is the best or most water efficient method of growing fruit and vegetables. Well, look, I'm a very big fan of uh, wicking beds and uh, Hugo culture. Hugo culture where you put logs and bits and pieces underneath the uh, planting compost. I use IBCs a lot. You know the industrial box containers? I love those. But even in our place, uh, Faye, we get rats coming in because we've probably got the hens and the ducks. And I've continually got uh, cage traps set up. They get into the tomorrow's. Uh, hey, yeah, Maggie's just showed it to me. We, yesterday, we got in the car to go down to the nunnock. Oh, that's a peculiar smell. And there's a damn rat in there. And it's living in the um, in the uh, air conditioning. So, it happens uh, more than you think. Mm. Well, we lost, it cost us about $500 last year to clear this rat's nest out of the um, air conditioning in the car. Yes. Rats are a plague everywhere, I think. <laughs> um, I think Chris, Chris I think is winding us up. Bob, we've got to get to a break. It has been fantastic chatting to you. Thank you very much. And we will get you back. We will continue this conversation another time. Um, They used to say I could talk underwater with a mouthful of marble. That's all right. Talking to people like yourselves. I've listened to every word, Bob, and you've talked about beans and peas and Asian greens. You've given me lots of ideas for the autumn of things to plan. And I thank you most kindly, as Hefei does, too, for being on the programme. A most interesting 15 minutes. Have a good weekend. Greetings to all your listeners and uh, catch up with you again. Okay, enjoy the music festival. That's Bob Longmore. Dr. Bob Longmore, the adjunct associate professor of pharmacy here at Curtin University, expert gardener and resident of NALAP. What a joy to have him on the program. I knew you'd like that, Chris. You've given me so many (laughs) ideas. Thank you so much for that, Faith. You've indulged me, but we do have to move on. The time is 18 minutes to nine. Curtin Radio. 
17 minutes to nine. We lost Kingsley Fay, and oh. I apologise to you, Kingsley. I know you held on. We had to get to Dr. Bob, so we had to keep you there, of course. Your choice on the line. Do give us a call back if we can talk to you about your Lydia problem. But in the meantime, um, let's go directly, Fay, out to Dianella and have a quick chat to Barbara. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Barbara. Um, if you don't mind just waiting a moment, if Leonie's still listening, a lady has rung in regarding a shrimp plant. And if if you like to call us back, we can pass on the details. John had a look and yep. he can't find availability of shrimp plants anyway. So, Leonie, thank you to the listener who has offered a shrimp plant. And, Just call um, us on 94841927 and I think Bev will have all the all the information. And we have also been joined in the studio yes. by Dr. Daryl Hardy. So Barbara, go fire away. <laughs> no pressure. Okay. Um, bear with me because you've been following me around the house and the garden and I've got to go in the car and you'll probably switch over. <laughs> <laughs> we'll so follow you anywhere. Okay. My question is, we have two beautiful um, passion fruit uh, vines, lots of foliage, both of them are panamas, one red, one yellow, planted alongside each other. We've got some flowers, but the green is, um, the, well, my husband thinks we don't have any female flowers, he can't see any pollen on them. What am I doing wrong? They're getting um, worm water, they've been fed good fertiliser, plenty of water. What, what is your good fertiliser? Um, oh, you, I need to be specific. I oh, know. Okay. Well, um, a it, little bit of this and a little bit of that. I've tried to vary it. I right. use things like complete fertilizer. Good. Good. Yes. Uh, okay. And, uh, of course, they they get lots of worm water. Rooster booster. We've thrown a bit of everything at it, um, and it's growing facing the sun, the um, day sun and afternoon sun. I think you're going to just trip over because I've got to get to a meeting. Um, so are you still there? We yeah, are. We're, we're still here. We're coming to the meeting. <laughs> okay, so what I'm thinking, it could be um, lovely green growth, could potentially be too much nitrogen. So with flowers on it, if you give it something with extra potassium, that will be a boost and that will yep. will help with the flowering and fruiting. If there's no pollen, that could maybe be temperature-related um, yeah. The the fruit set at this time of year may be a bit yeah, because it's been so hot. Uh, also, right. if you've got overhead watering, if no, no, okay, we'll rule that no. one out. No. Uh, yep. Flowers, Daryl, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think too much nitrogen. Is, is, um, I would passion fruits. You've got to be really tough. We've almost have to hit them with a stick. Yeah, to actually bring them yeah. into control, you've got you've been too kind to them. You've got to you've got to treat them. Yeah, you know, just ignore them and um, don't put as much All loving right. care into them. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go, hello, hello, I want your attention. I'm going to fruit now. And I wonder if the the Panama are a later fruiting variety. So if the flowers are on there now with the milder weather this yep. week, give it some yep. some more potassium based fertilizer, and and right. maybe it will just kick in. Yeah, maybe it now's right, the okay. time. Yeah, and sometimes after right. a, a prune, um, they do tend to sort of mm. come come into fruit too. They 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 can be. I mean, some people never have any problems, and other people they plant 
time and time again, yeah. and, they, and they and they never get any fruit. So I I, I just ignore them for a while. Trip, yeah, yeah, and just um and even cut back the water a little bit okay. and just stress them a little bit and see what happens. All right, Got I'm it? just going to ask, could it be too much water? But I don't think it's getting too much water. But we'll check it out. Thank you so much for your help. So potassium-based complete fertiliser. Yep. Yeah, or a supplement, a potassium supplement. You can actually get those um, supplements. There's a soluble one as well. And, okay. John, potassium. maybe do a bit of research on timing of uh, fruiting of the Panama yeah. forest. Thanks. Yeah. Got it? All right. All right. Thanks, Thank Barbara. You. There you are, Barbara from <laughs> Dianella, getting wonderful service not only from Faye, but from our studio guest, uh, Dr. Daryl Hardy, the senior epidemiologist at DPERB. What is DPERB? Epidemiologist. No, I always have a problem Entomologist. with that. Entomologist, <laughs> I do <laughs> beg your pardon. Right. Yeah. Looking at my notes too quickly, what is DPERB? DPERB is the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development. So it's the old fisheries, ag and regional development all mixed into one big pot. Does it work all mixed up into well, one big Well, that's a political slurry. question, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's been happening for four years. Yep. So, yeah, it's coming along. Yeah, I talk to the fish people. They're, they're, they're good fun. I don't see many of the regional development people because they're in the regions. <laughs> of course, doing their <laughs> but, job. Yeah, doing their job. Yeah. Now, Faye, let's come back to a question from Via in Kensington. Her neighbour has a very large Brazilian pepper tree near the fence and the suckers continually come up in her yard. Mm. Can anything be done to prevent them? Well, yes, on the other side of the fence, <laughs> potentially. They are a weedy tree. Uh, she can deal with them on her side. One thing that that could be a potential um, help would be putting down a root barrier. Uh, <laughs> what is what is that? Um, a root barrier is a um, something like a geotextile fabric or yep. even a physical barrier yep. like a piece of metal. Mm -hmm. But you've got to go down far enough. Daryl's just sort of shaking his head going, they... We'll just keep coming. Well, when we, we moved into our property in 1981 and next door they had a Japanese pepper and it was there for 40 years until the people unfortunately died and moved on. And you could see it in aerial photos, even in the 60s it was big. And that just got around everything. Um, mm. we threw it, and fortunately the people that moved in next door did an extension and they actually ground the stump out and the problem went away. But, oh. but um, yeah, look, um, a lot of people, yeah, suckers, you just got to keep on to them. Snap them off and just dab them with a bit of Roundup and hopefully that'll push them back a bit. But, yeah, you, I found roots maybe, I'm probably not exaggerating, 40 metres away from the tree they were coming out this year. <laughs> so they, they'll find a way. God, that's incredible. 40 yeah. It's metres. a big barrier you'd have to create. Yeah, yeah, and you've got to go down a long way. And mm. even that, they'll even come up above the ground, the roots, and go back down. And yeah. if you put a barrier, I guess they'd work their way around yeah, it too. Yeah, and in between, yeah. They so just, it's an ongoing battle? Yeah, yeah. With a hatchet? Every time well, they come no, up, just get them, them off? Yeah, get them small. Yeah, so as I was mentioning off, off air, I also have problems with um, crepe myrtles, do the same thing, and rubinias, those mop tops. So the mop tops have been chopped out for 20 years, but they're still sending suckers up from my neighbour's property. Yeah, amazing. Oh. We've come to that time where we have to take a short break. We will come back in a moment to talk to Brian in Duncraig. Don't leave us, Brian. It's uh, 10 minutes to nine. Curtain Radio in Perth. 
coming up with the news at uh, 9 o'clock. But in the meantime, your calls on 94841971 on anything you may want to know that's going on in your garden that Faye can tell you all about. And we're very, very uh, fortunate to have Dr. Daryl Hardy and entomologist sitting in the studio with us for the next hour at least. So get your calls in. Don't wait too long. So, Faye, can we talk briefly about the Garden Festival before we, we go to Brian? We can, and we've got a couple of events coming oh, up this good. weekend, actually. Right so the Calamunda Garden Festival is on tomorrow, the 5th of March. It is from 10 to 3 p.m. at Sturk Park. You can either buy tickets online or at the gate. They have an amazing extensive list of exhibitors, personalities, talks, entertainment, you name it. If it's plant-related, mm-hmm. it is at this garden festival tomorrow. So if you um, want to buy tickets in advance, you can go to calamandagardenfestival.com.au? That's right. You can buy them on the website and go into the draw for prizes. And um, tomorrow I'm emceeing one of the marquees, the Tony and Sons marquee, so we've got uh, we've got Trevor Cochran, we've got Paul West, Darren Senor and Johnny Profumo. And then at 2.15, I'm giving a talk called I Spy With My Little Eye. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't want to call yourself a master of ceremonies, you can call yourself a facilitator. Oh, oh, I like that. A facilitator that. of conversation. You. Oh, I, I really like that, Chris. Oh, the, the talk titles are amazing. Uh-huh. I, I don't think I'll... Get out of that tent tomorrow. I'll probably sit there all day. I'll have to pack a picnic lunch. And Do you find after you, you finish talking, people want to talk to you for hours? Yes, and I don't mind that. Good. That's Wherever very... I go, they've got a garden question, and that's fine. Fine, I just fine for you and have it. a yarn. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, okay, the time is coming up five minutes to nine. Shall we talk to Brian and Duncraig? Let's do that. Run of beans on your mind this morning, Brian. Uh, yes, mate. Go ahead. We're listening. Um, yeah, uh, um, I'm growing uh, climbing beans, and they keep sending out like these little runners, uh, you know, halfway up the up the stem and that. Am I supposed to leave leave them or or cut them off? Runners, as in tendrils, that because they climb, they do send out little tendrils, so they can attach to uh, a stake or a frame or something to get themselves up. Is that the tendrils you're meaning? Yes. Yep. But, yes, but these these things they 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 grow really long. Well, I think yeah, I just encourage them. Just give them something to climb on. A something like chicken wire would be perfect, and then they'll just attach. And they'll the more they climb, the higher they'll get. Okay. Well, no, thanks very much. Okay. Well done, Brian. Thank you very much. That's a call from Dun Craig. We're waiting for a call from you, but go ahead, please. And, Chris, we have another event yeah. kicking off this weekend. It is the beginning of the open season mm-hmm. at Patsy Durax Rose Gardens. Now, she's open Sundays from 10 to 4.30, starting from March to May, and that's kicking off tomorrow, 33 Park Road in Gooseberry Hill. Park proceeds go to the can- Cancer Council. So... It's it's Rose time. Yes, I've heard all and, about her gardens. Mm, They're quite something. Oh, they absolutely are. Blooming wonderful. So, and she doesn't use, hasn't been using uh, insecticides in her garden. So well, She'll be an interesting person to talk to. Mm. You have her on the program before? Yes, we have. Not for a while, though, so well overdue.
Good. So there we've got the Kalamunda Garden Festival tomorrow and then Patsy Durack from March until May. Boy, that's wonderful. If you've got nothing else better to do, if you're not fossicking around in your own garden preparing whatever it may be, the space for the new season, well, you know where to go. And John came in on the break mm. with some more information about the Panama Red and the Panama Gold. The Panama Red needs to be planted with another passion fruit. It has large red skin fruit and is a grafted variety. The Panama Gold, however, is self-fertile mm -hmm. and can be planted on its own. But the lady that called in, she had the gold and the red, and it's quite okay for the red to partner with the gold. Passion fruit. Mm. And you say to be brutal with them, Daryl. Well, neglect, I think. Yeah, just, just ignore them and they'll you know, let them do their own thing. I think people encourage them by putting nice fertiliser yeah, on them yeah. and they just keep going vegetative. Do they need a lot of water? Yeah, they do. They do like water. Yeah, but you, yeah, you can. Yeah. I just into some plants. Some plants respond to a shock by saying, "Oh, I might die. I better, mm. I better start fruiting and flowering." Um, and others, yeah. So you, it's just trial and error. It depends. Look, I've had passion fruit many years ago, and they were prolific. And then I've planted new ones in in the same spot, and nothing. So, yeah, it can be. How how are you on? Sorry, sorry, Fago. Oh no, I was just thinking. You thinking suddenly about the grafted varieties and it just came to me that if yeah. one of these was grafted what happens see i don't plant grafted no, varieties but the anymore. grafted ones are using the nelly kelly the others are usually from seed or cuttings aren't they well i'm not 100 percent sure but what concerns me is the rootstock can take over yes so if that potentially was the case with this panama um, variety, mm -hmm. like check the leaf, ensure that it is the grafted stock mm -hmm. that has continued to grow, not the root stock. Yeah. And this sometimes happens, of course, with citrus or whatever. And it is it is a problem. So know your leaf type and try and recognise what is root stock. Yeah. Uh, with passion fruit, the, the root stock's usually got the smaller leaves and, and it's, it goes really crazy from the base. A lot of people yeah. wouldn't know, though, would yeah. they, Daryl, if no. they're first-time growers yeah. of a grafted variety? You know, it can, I've seen whole um, rootstock vines and people are saying, oh, why won't it fruit? Yeah. And I'm going, oh, okay, they didn't know they'd been nurturing this plant for a long time and it turns out to be rootstock that's uh. taken over the plant. Tell me, Daryl, how are you on figs? We've got one minute to the news. Um, yeah, I like figs. Why are my figs bursting at the bottom? Oh, okay. So you've got a water issue. Ah. Yeah. So the fig is the fruit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what happens? So figs are very interesting. You don't get figs unless you get fig wasps. So you've got to have them because they're pollinated by an insect, a little wasp. Mm -hmm. um, and what happens is um, it happens a lot of fruit. The actual fruit is growing and then it starts to set and the skin starts to set its size, but then you give it a burst of water and the water, actually, the fruit swells and the skin can't respond as quickly, oh. so then it just splits. That's incredible. Now, that make, that answers so many reasons why I look at these and go, the flesh inside is perfect, yep. but they've just opened up and if I can grab them, then they're yeah. able and to... So, and some people ring and say, oh, I've got figs and they've got fruit fly issues, and then other people say, my figs never get fruit fly. So there seems to be a lot of varietal yeah. 
stuff there. So Interesting. My bananas are not ripening either at the moment, but we'll talk about that yeah. a little bit later because time is marching on. Olga from Balga, stay where you are. We have the news coming up. Don't forget, in the second hour of Let's Talk Gardening, we'll be giving away a $75 Bigger Trees voucher when you answer John's question, quiz question of the week. And it's a good one too. Nine o'clock on Curtain FM. Well, to be honest, weather-wise, what you see is what you get. And when you look at the weather forecast, not just for today, but uh, team, all the way through the week, the word is sunny. Sunny today, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, shower or two on Wednesday, 60% chance, 50% chance of showers on Thursday, then back to sunny on Friday. But relative to today, yes, a sunny day, uh, winds uh, southerly 15 to 20 k's, tending southwesterly 20 to 30 in the afternoon. We are into the uh, UV index space now between 20 to 9 so uh, there until 4 o'clock this afternoon we have 10 on the register which is very high so if you're out in the garden you know what to do slip slap slop and put on a hat please for your own best protection fire danger today in the south coastal um, north and south is moderate in this one inland uh, both north and south it is high current condition in perth 22 degrees wind is from the south and it's a very lovely morning and a beautiful day for gardening don't you think Faye? it is every day is a beautiful well, day for gardening true. chris that's true, but this changing phase. Daryl, we were talking about that earlier, the change of the seasons. You've mm-hmm. obviously felt the weather changing. How, yes. how do you see the gardens changing? Well, the gardens never really got thumped this year like they did last year because of, we didn't have the 40s. I always notice that when we get into autumn weather, we get those dampness in the air in the mornings, and they were, they were happening in early February this year. That's right. Yeah, so, so we're basically... A month into autumn already. Yeah, but when yeah. I came out this morning, my car was absolutely misty, front and back window. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that's odd. So it's been really mild, and that's caused, that's why sucking insects are, are real a real problem in people's herb patches and gardens at the moment because they just thrive in that temperature range 25 to 35. Mm-hmm. So a lot of insects get taken out once you get into the 40s. Well, we've got 27 today and sunny, but then you look at tomorrow, 28, 29 on Monday, then up to 33 for a couple of days and then back into the high 20s at the end yeah. of the week. So it's going to, yeah, so it's going to be yeah, insect, good and bad insects issues right through now. So okay. The birds yeah. all love it, Chris. That's yeah. true. And we want birds <laughs> in our garden. Exactly. Let's go to Balga. Good morning, uh, Olga. You want to talk about a banana tree. Good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, very, very well good. Thanks. Thanks, Olga. How can we help you? Yeah, I don't know what's wrong. I'm getting big water bills. The way I'm watering my banana tree, I don't know whether I'm using too much water or what. The leaves are all yellow. So do they need any fertilizer or what? Bananas are very hungry. And particularly at this time of year where it's been very warm, the best mm. for best results you would improve your soil well, give it something like clay and compost and give it a really good thick layer of mulch and and regular deep waterings. Okay. That's all it needs, is it? That and food. Would you agree with that, Daryl? Yeah, well, bananas, um, yeah, Carnarvon, Cananera, they're flood irrigated or you know, trickle. They really, the ones in Carnarvon, they, they run a lot of water past them. So, mm. um, yeah, they love, they love the Can't water. Can't give them enough. No, not really. Well, you... You need the soil to drain. They just don't like having wet feet permanently, but they like water. And you just look at the the, the actual the stem on them. They're just yeah, you know, it's just all water. Mm. Yeah, that's eighty percent water. Mm. Yeah, you need True. that. And and of course, once again, you need the phosphorus and the potassium to good, get good. good fruit set. There you are, Olga. Does that answer your question for you? Okay. 
Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I loved your call. Thank you for calling us on 9484-1927. And your call is also welcome too. To get in now between now and 10 o'clock. Marie in Mandurah, good morning to you. Good morning. Hi, Marie. long time since I've been listening. I was looking through my book and it goes back to 1917 with all the um, things I've written down. Wow. In in my little notebook. Really? From 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. Nobody's allowed to ring me. My husband's not allowed to ask for any breakfast, so... Um, we just, I just listen. Oh, what you dedication. go, girl. Oh, what dedication. <laughs> we love you, Marie. And, um, I mean, I came over here. I've been here 31 years now, and I've had to learn to garden in Australia, which has been quite funny. Um, <laughs> and when I first arrived, I don't want to take up too long, but when I first arrived, I thought, I'm going to grow every tree that I couldn't grow in New Zealand. So I've got a mango, I've got three lemons, I've got orange, <laughs> avocado, um, olive, what else, David, almond, almond tree on my front lawn. So I haven't got a front lawn as it is. It's all gra- going to sand now because the trees are so big. Oh, wow. Oh, I, got a, a bla- um, I got a Russian, no, no, wait a minute. Yeah, a black Russian mulberry Ooh. and we had to we had to cut it right off this year because my husband's had a big accident thing and we can't walk around very much now. So, But you know what? It's growing already as tall as I am, so we're going to keep it pushed. So I might get some, um, yeah, some mulberries off it because I make jam and um, pies and all that kind of stuff. Oh, good on you, Marie. And do, when did you say that book went back to? And is it notes taken from this show? Yes, yes, yeah. I've when, got my book. When no, did you start uh, it? Well, now, wait a minute. I'll take, yeah, 19, yeah, this one, one page is the 10th of the 8th, 19. So 2019, that oh. one. But no, I go back to... 17, I think it is. Yeah, anyway, um, what I want to say is I bought a, um, I don't, I can't remember what the name of it was, in a pot last year, and it actually died after a while. But You're talking about a honeysuckle? You're right. It's a winter honeysuckle. It looks like a potato plant. I took a photo of it to send, but I can't get, I don't know how to do it. Okay, through to you. But that's what do you do you know what that is? Is it is it unusual to grow here in Australia? A winter honeysuckle. Mm. Yeah. I'm I'm just having a quick look now. It looks like now. a potato, so it could be a potato creeper. I thought it was, but it isn't. I oh, look. It's this is the right. I think it's S O L A N U M. Solanum. Solanum. Yeah. Then it goes P A N I. C U L A T something. Paniculatum. Yeah, okay. And it, that, it says it's a winter honeysuckle, an American um, silverberry potato. Oh, no, I wrote potato plant because I thought it was a potato plant, but it's a Native American silverberry and it's a medicinal thing. It's got some little weeny tiny. Um, oh, 
you know, berries on it now, and they say the, the medicinal thing is for vertigo, digestive problems. Well, you need to be very careful because the Solanum family, um, yeah, of which of tomatoes and potatoes are part of, uh, is yeah. part of the their nightshade. And yes. uh, yeah. you, you would have to be very careful about eating something like yeah. that. Especially the leaves. No, I, I won't. <laughs> I, that's why I wanted to ask about it if it was, um, you know, any, should I just pull it out and, and destroy it? No, I don't, I don't think you need to pull it out. Uh, is it... Um, it's I growing don't... really tall. It's, it's got... Yeah, it's... Well, it's as tall, yeah. No, right, probably, yeah. It's quite tall. It's growing tall, and it's not. It's not like a bushy tree. It's just sending out little branches off it. Has it got large leaves? Yes, they are. They were. I thought it was a. Um, oh, what is that? What are those things, David? We can't get. I think it would be. Probably commonly called potato creeper. Hmm. Yes, well, we had potato creeper, um, like bushes, like growing like big hedges in New Zealand, the potato one. That's why I thought it was that to start with, you know. But no, it, this, it's, it, it must be what it, I'm telling you, American silverberry thing. Okay, I won't do anything. I won't. We won't eat it. Enjoy it, but don't eat it. <laughs> There's, there are a lot, uh, and they're very. They can be very showy. They prune, uh, respond very well to yeah. pruning. Uh, there's also p- purple flowering ones or similar. Uh, yeah, and they're probably quite. They're probably quite um, resilient to um, drought because they it may have a tuber as well, so it'll spring back. And if it's died yeah. down and yeah. come back again, they're not normally winter deciduous. No. 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 no, they're sort of like a subtropical yeah, potato, mm. all those sorts of things. Just oh, enjoy it, don't eat it. Yeah. Can I just tell you about our grapes? We've got so many grapes this year, they're wonderful. My husband, he looks after that. And to try and stop the fruit fly, we we put bottles of urine hanging off, off it. Excellent. No, that's um yeah very and 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 I can tell you this just quickly the best urine is now don't take this the wrong way, but it's female postmenopausal diabetic urine. I knew, I knew I'd heard that somewhere. Yeah, and and yeah, I couldn't believe it when I I found that in 1995. You can bottle it, can you? Yeah, you just dilute it down and hang it in the trees. Yeah, it attracts flies yeah, very well. That's what I've been doing because I'm that I'm that age now. I'm 81. Oh. Well, I think yeah, you, yeah but are you a diabetic? That's the important thing. Well, not quite. I'm not quite. Oh, well, there, look, I'd bottle it. it. Yeah, and sell it. It's this you've is got classic good stuff. radio. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your call, Marie. You've certainly caused a lot of discussion this morning, ending up on that wonderful idea to hang bottles of urine of a particular type around your grape. In fact, I, though Marie's had wonderful grape, I've had terrible grape harvest this year. While we're still in Mandurah, which is where we found Marie, Maggie lives there too. She has a large fly, bigger than a blowfly in her garden. It has a red tip and does not seem to fly off when approached. Can you identify it? 
It may be one of the sarcophagids um, that they are bigger than a blowfly. You know, when you're talking about blowflies, I'm talking the one to the green um, abdomens. They're mm-hmm. the ones, the classic blowfly, sheep blowfly, Australian sheep blowfly, and things like that. So there are ones that are sarcophagids, and sometimes they have checkerboard uh, on their abdomens, and I think it's a thorax too, maybe thorax, yeah. And then there's another one called a robber fly, which is mm-hmm. a rather large fly, and they actually attack a lot of things, but they won't let you get close to them. So that rules it out because she said it doesn't fly away. So I'm thinking a sarcophagid or something like that. And are they coming around because of feces? Are they part of the clean-up crew? The Sarcophagus yeah, as that's in... Right. Well, they're, yeah. the one, they're the ones that get into the rat carcasses the quickest. Mm. Mm. And a lot of people find their houses fill up with um, all these little soft flies that are buzzing around. And I ask them, have you poisoned any rats recently? And they go, how'd you know that? Yeah. 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 So there are... A, Fantastic uh, fly recycler. Yeah, and they take the smell away quickly because they just get through the well, carcass really quickly. Flies are amazing. Well yeah. done. Hope, hope that um, answers your question, Maggie. I want to go back to the uh, the, the grapevines. In yeah. what sort of a bottle do I um, and how much oh, quantity? Well, um, you know, the, the old Coke bottles, the yeah. one, one litre, 1.25 uh-huh. litre. Just um, where the lid is, just uh, wrap some wire around that and punch some holes or cut some holes in the side, probably... Mm-hmm. Um, um, three around the side of it, and then fill it up um, with. Um, well, you can use your eyes. Yeah, yeah, just the base. Two, two, not, or three not, fingers. Yeah, yeah, not up. Yeah, yeah, and it, it will evaporate and come out. And but a lot of people, you'll see if you go into the parts of areas where there's a lot of um, Italian and um, old Italian and old Greeks and like North Perth, yeah. they have these bottles hanging from the trees, and they use various concoctions. But you can use. I'm not just saying just use urine. <laughs> But you can use things like vanilla essence, Vegemite, anything that's yeah. got a yeast or a uh, protein in it will attract the flies. Uh, the problem is you want to keep refreshing it because um, as it ages and the bodies get in there, then you start attracting the bush and, and the blowflies in there. You want to attract the fruit fly. Yeah. Okay. Got you. Thank you for that, Daryl. Now we're going to go to Diana very shortly. We're going to take a break and then we're going to talk about lilac trees. Curtain Radio. At 21 minutes past nine, we're going out to Menorah. Good morning to you, Diana, and thank you for waiting. Oh, good morning. I just I bought myself a lilac tree this week. It's about two foot high, and I haven't pr- planted it yet. I'm going to plant it in a, a large pot. But I just want to know, um, on the label, it says full sun. but oh, Our full know, sun is a little bit harsh, I think. I think so, and that's why I wanted to ask you, should I give it morning sun uh, where I get afternoon shade or afternoon sun where I get morning shade? I'm not sure which. I think morning sun is generally preferable for most things. Afternoon sun can be really harsh. So is it a, a lilac tree, the syringia? Yes. Okay, yep. Uh, so it's and an English lilac. It'll grow to about two to three metres. Oh, really? Mm. Okay, it needs okay. to be protected from hot summer sun and the hot dry winds. Right. Okay. And quite a bit of water, I presume, water every day. Well, <clears> if <throat> you prepare your planting hole well, then you should be able to get by with uh, two or three times a week giving it a good watering. Right. right. When I, whenever I plant something, because I'm in a, a villa, in a village, I haven't got a huge amount of space. So I've got 
a lot of pots, big pots everywhere with trees yes. in. Yes. And whenever I prepare them, I mix, I get good potting mix and mix it with cow manure before I plant anything. Okay. Sounds good to me. Uh, yep. But with the, with the lilac, when you said two to three metres, it should be all right in a large pot, shouldn't it? I think so, yes. And And don't worry about so much how big it's going to grow at this stage. Just worry about keeping it alive and and just yeah. managing it. You know, that's going to be in optimal conditions. Yeah, I just love lilac trees. They remind me of when I was young. Anyway, and I want to thank you also. I rang you a couple of weeks ago about Night Jasmine. Yes. And a very nice lady rang me. And she is striking one for me and she's going to bring it to me. Oh, that is lovely. We've we've got great listeners, Diana. That's a I, I, a, I couldn't believe it that someone would be that kind. Oh. Gardeners uh, are the is it the ilk of the earth? Well they're they're very Sorry? special. <laughs> they are very special. <laughs> And the quintessence yeah, is sitting opposite me, who is Faye, who's here every week to talk to you, including Diana and Menorah and everyone else who needs her advice. And, of course, Dr. Daryl Hardy, entomologist, who's in the studio with us this morning. Shouldn't we be talking to him about his, uh, we, his speciality? We will. Yes. What, what, what did you bring him in here for? Yeah, to, why, yeah why? To <laughs> talk about the buzz. Yeah. Well, and I know Daryl can talk about just about anything yeah. and everything True. from ripsalis to fruit trees, palm cycads. Yeah, so where do you pest- want to start? <laughs> Well, what's trending? What's trending? Okay, well, funny you should ask that. (laughs) Okay, so... Here's the list. I went to the Pest and Disease Information Service people. Um, Liz, they're um, the other day, because I'm actually on leave at the moment. So, um, and so I was a little bit out of touch. So, yeah, we're getting a lot of people ringing in about green-headed ants. They're a native ant, and a lot of the... um, so out of suburbs where they've clear felt it, they're moving back in, um, and these ones actually sting. So they actually. What's their scientific name? Oh, Rodonta is, is a rod. Yeah, yeah. Something Metallica. Yeah. yeah oh yes, yeah, they yeah. are everywhere. So you've got them too. Yeah. So they do mm. kick it. They, yeah, they're probably they're similar to those jack jumpers you get in in, in, in Tasmania, and of course they have a, a yeah fire ants. We don't have fire ants. We've eradicated them or are in the process of eradicating them. So yeah. So if you're seeing. They're very distinctive. They're not a small ant. They're uh, actually a very pretty ant, metallic are. and shiny and yeah. really good looking yeah. when you look so up just, close. They can give you a boot just like a wasp. So, yeah. Oh. So, um, and most of the ant, granule ant control will remove them if you want to. But, you know, some people have got children on their lawns and things like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I'm not saying broadcast insecticide everywhere, but mm. hunt down the nest and uh, take them out if you're worried about your children. So, that, that's trending. So, we're getting a lot of people. Um, and the other thing, we're getting a lot of people with stored product pests. So their pantries are lighting up. Um, it's probably something to do with the conditions at the moment. Um, just as we discussed earlier, we've got these mild conditions and the, they're getting going in stored product. Um, it may be something to do with supply trains and all that sort of stuff at the moment too because things have been... Held up. Held up, yeah, mm. and, and they've got damaged and, and things got infested. So that might have an inf- impact there. And then there's sucking insects. As I said earlier, you know, we've got that range 25 to 35 degrees. They love it. So all the sucking insects and even, you know, your two-spotted mites, they're rasping oh. and thrips. They're, they're going off at the moment. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of things. So, yeah, you need to keep an eye. I mean, my herbs, I've just about given up at the moment. We'll, I'll wait for it to cool down a little bit and get some of the um, winter herbs in. 
but they're really getting attacked. Even the chili leaves are curling up because of the number of thrips in that around. So, um, is it the chili thrips or well, just? A, a range. It could be chili thrips, but there's other thrips as well. Mm. I mean, I don't have roses, so um, yeah, I don't have, shouldn't have, yeah, yeah the, the marker like is, you know, you've got roses and they're like the canary in the coal mine for chili <laughs> thrips these days. Mm. Um, so there's those. Um, and the other thing that's uh, trending, because we've done such a fantastic job on promoting, you know, people looking for polyphagous shot hole borer. And now, because of the lack of rain and the drying environment, a lot of the native trees are getting stressed and they're getting borer. So we're getting all these people ringing up with native trees with borer saying, I've got polyphagus. Well, polyphagus is very tiny. We're talking in just a few millimetres. And a lot of the borers are quite big. But, yeah, so we're losing a lot of tree limbs are coming down at the moment, you'll notice, because they're drying even native trees in parks and things like that. So, yeah, borers are quite bad. Um, And just um, where we're going at the moment, so... What would be happening shortly, we'll get the egg fruit caterpillar be coming out. And so people will be getting all their capsicums and uh, and uh, chilies off. And then they'll find there's this soup inside and a rather large pink grub or just this pile of fresh and the grub is left. So you need to be checking your chilies at the moment. Um, or maybe putting a net uh, over it, create net, a barrier. That's right, yes. And netting's one way. The uh, insecticides don't seem to work that well. But I was also thinking that uh, a half-strength oil spray, because moths don't like laying on slippery surfaces. So if your, your chilies are covered in a light mm-hmm. oil, then they, um, they won't. Chili oil. Chili oil, you do that, yeah. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, two-spotted mite. Yes, they're going quite rampant. I've actually got some in, in my house at the moment. I'm actually rearing them up on, on little cherry tomatoes. Daryl, have you got the little black beetle that sucks the eggs? No, I haven't. Oh, you sent me a photo of that one. And uh, yeah, no, I haven't chased that one up. Like I said, I've been on leave. So there is a lot of things. And of course, the other thing is, oh, geckos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do, yeah, we can do geckos shortly. Okay. Uh, um, interesting thing about geckos. Um, now, the other thing is just... Should, should, we, should we bring Karen into the discussion? Yeah, let's bring okay. her into the Karen, discussion. good morning. Good morning. Yes, I, um, it's interesting. I'm listening anyway. Um, I uh, This time I come with something different. Um, but how much do you know about lizards and geckos? I have got a pool and the pool uh, and they keep falling into the pool. Yes. Sometimes I fish them out when they're all uh, on the very ground and they don't move. Yeah. Well, so, they've drowned, haven't but, they? But, Poor little things. Yeah. Um, look, yeah, geckos but, but, got... I do, I, yeah, sorry, I, I take them out yep. and then I put them in the sun and after a couple of hours they are gone. Yeah, so, so they may recover, wondering. they may recover or something's um, carted them off too. They're qu- quite tasty. Um, my garden is full of geckos um, and it's just the, the, the native marble one, but I believe that they've actually found the um, Asian house gecko. Um, in a couple of northern suburbs, and they're looking into it. So Asian house, yeah, it's a r- so it's, they have they have got the nice pattern on the back. Most of them. That's right. Yeah. So look up. Yeah, light coloured under uh, belly. Yeah, that's it. That's that's the native one, and that they're out at the moment. That they, they they like. I mean, they're insectivores, but they also like. Um, in my mm-hmm. garden, I've got my golden canes are flowering at the moment, and they'll be up there on the on the flowers. The clusters. And they're licking the um, the oh. nectar. They love. They get a good sugar fix. Well, sometimes they'll, they, they'll be attracted. What can I do to help them to get out of the pool again? <laughs> well, the thing is, yeah, they don't swear. Yeah. Well, you, you need can put, to put something in. There is. Um, I've seen something. I don't know if you can buy it or you make it yourself. Something that that kind of floats like mm. a bubble wrap, yeah. blue bubble wrap, and you put it from the edge of the pool 
over into the pool, so it acts as a little an intertidal um, zone thing. Yeah. Climb up on it. Yeah. yeah. So the, the other or thing is, yeah. So a lot of people have pool covers, and they can, if you've got them on to keep the mm-hmm. water, then that'll they can, yeah, they won't fall in the pool. They fall on top of that. They can walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, and I was just wondering how long they can stay underwater because I was so surprised. I mean, the last one I've seen, the ants have eaten it, but uh, the others were gone within a, 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 no reasonably short time. So I thought, oh, hopefully they can re- revive. Yeah, they do, so, some do revive, and, and yeah, it just depends how long they're in the pool. Depends how long for. they can hold their breath. That's right, yes. Underwater. Yes. Thank yeah, you, Karen, for your question. We really appreciate that. Geckos, some live, some die. But I was interested in this Asian house gecko. Yeah. So um, it's yeah. I've heard that it's um, found. Well, it's been. It's all up the northwest. It's coming from Asia, and uh, it's been a real issue. I do some uh, work with Chevron, and they're trying to keep it off of Burrow Island, and they've been very successful over a number of years keeping it off. But it's on. You know, it's at Carafa, so. And it's very secretive, it hides, and that, and it's prolific breeder. Um, and the thought was that, you know, it's tropical. And, and when I went to Christmas Island, it's really funny, you have the lights on in the house, and of course the tropics, um, all the insects are attracted to the windows. And so you look at your windows, there's insects buzzing around, but, and there's also a dozen geckos on the windows. So oh. they're quite cute, but they're an, they're an invasive species. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Dangerous? So no, they're not dangerous to people. They just they may push out the native geckos. That's what I mean. Well, and yeah, yeah. eating insects like some of our moths are native pollinators. Yes. So any any introduced pest that takes over our native wildlife is a potential problem. A little yeah. bit like the paper wasps from the east coast. Yeah, the Polistes paper wasps. Yeah, which have come and these have um, these have. Um, there's several species come in and one seems to have taken over. So these are the ones that have the little, what we call the crumpet nest. It looks like yeah. a little crumpet hanging off. And uh, yeah, and look, uh, some people say they're great, they get caterpillars and that, but they're competing against native wasps. Well, and they do take a lot of caterpillars. They, they do. So they're unbalancing the ecosystem right, to an yeah. extent. But we are unbalancing the ecosystem <laughs> by planting the plants that the caterpillars are on. Too. Well, this is true. Yeah, so yeah, it, it, yeah so I'm... I'm not advocating get rid of them or keep them. I'm just saying it's up to your situation. So we got sent a photo during the week. Um, it doesn't say who it's from, but on a Hyloceros, which is a dragon fruit, yep. and it's the um, the European paper wasp, not to be confused with that European wasp, wasp yep. but a, a paper wasp that has the crumpet, shaped nests yep. and it's orange yellow and is it black on the body yeah with yellow feelers that's right not black if they've got black feelers please ring the department because you could have european wasps and i think they're up around 20 or 30 not nests they've actually found this year they come in every year the queens actually come in on containers and in people's personal effects and 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 and, and cargo from the east coast don't we uh, fumigate no, not everything. It's done on a risk-based thing. So a lot of the commodities inside the um, mm-hmm. inside the containers will be fumigated, but they can live on the outside of the container, tucked into little crevices and yeah. things like that. Yeah. And on the trucks that come into, so and they yeah. will nest in the ground, just as distinct from those that will uh, nest under your eaves or in a light That's fitting right. or under. Yeah. Under so a what fence. they're finding down, the, I've seen recently on the Mornington Peninsula, people haven't been to their holiday home in a couple of years, and they've moved, they've gone to the holiday home. It's just all been locked up, and the, like the bathroom, is just one big European wasp nest. Ooh. They've actually just got found a way in, mm. and just built these nests. So if you Google 
So not just in the ground. No, they they like they're in cavities and structures and oh, roofs. No. So they're normally in the ground, but they can actually get in. Mm. Yeah, and just Google. Uh, John will probably in the background googling Mornington Peninsula European wasp nest at the oh, moment, dear. and it's absolutely it looks like something aliens got into Australia. Heavens above! And it is. What do we want to do? Should we take another call, or should we go for our, our quiz? Uh, we can do both. Okay, then we'll, we'll firstly we'll talk to Greg, who wants to talk about sweet corn in Como. Morning, Greg. Morning, all. How are you going? Very good, thanks, Greg. <laughs> good. Uh, sweet corn. It was my first attempt at growing sweet corn in the garden. So I planted them around uh, start of December. Uh, turned over the soil, got it all loose, mixed in a good amount of blood and bone. Did the planting about 10 centimetres apart, about five or six rows. And uh, they sh- uh, started shooting the right time. They looked like they're growing great, uh, flowering at the top. Uh, and then hair started appearing in a few spots, you know, for the cobs. Yes, yes. The tassels. When they did form, the tassels, sorry, <laughs> hairy tassels. And um, when the cobs started to form, uh, the leaves started pulling back and they just dried up and shriveled up inside. Now, I had a good look as best I could and I couldn't see any bugs or anything. Um, I was just wondering if I've done something fundamentally wrong or forgot to do something. I'm glad you asked, Greg, because mine did pretty much the same. Well, <laughs> are they planted in a block? Uh, pretty well, yes. About uh, five rows uh, and about eight or nine plants in each row. Okay. All right. Because for people that, that don't know, when the pollen leaves, it, it blows, it drifts. So what we're looking for is planting them in a block, not a row. If you plant them in a row and the pollen drifts away, it all just wafted past everything. Um, so... Yes. I'd like to rule out a pollination issue. Uh, the the kernels not developing could be a deficiency. Trace element. Trace element deficiency. Yep. So with a lot of the fertilisers available, what we try and encourage people to use is a complete fertiliser with a good range of trace elements. The more trace elements, better. So it may be one minor trace element perhaps we can get john to google this but maybe greg if you could send us a photo we could look right into it are you able to do that yeah sure thing yeah okay because an an explanation is one thing but actually seeing what's happened uh, i may be able to do a bit more searching they've, they've had plenty of water haven't they yeah, they've had plenty of water, not overwatering. Um, three times a week, about ten minutes at a time overhead. Three times a week. Yeah, for about ten minutes each time. Oh, that's not very much, Greg. It, check okay. check your soil on those off days uh, mm-hmm. with a moisture meter, if you like, and just get a, a fix because, in my experience, veggies in summertime. 35 degree heat, they would want watering every day. I don't think you'd find a market garden growing corn that is not watering every day or multiple times Once a day. day. Yep. You, you can't have them drying out. They've got a job to do producing those fruits, so they yep. are going to need a lot of water. Okay. Good pick up, Daryl. Thank you. That's why you have me here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back up. Yeah. How to. Thank you, Greg. I hope that solves your problem for your next crop. Certainly, next crop's going to get a lot of us. So, thank you. Thank you oh, man. it's such a conundrum, yeah. isn't it? Because we're told you can only water uh, right. twice a week yeah. for ten minutes, and you just you almost 
can't do it. Yeah. Pretend, you can't do it. Pretend you've got passion for it and you smother them in kindness and, and they'll deliver. Mm. Good. Excellent. Well, uh, we've uh, let Greg go now and we'll think yeah. about that when we next plant our sweet corn. The time is very quickly coming up to about 29 minutes to 10. Let's get our quiz in, shall we? Let's uh, give away our $75 gift voucher. Compliments of Kerry from Bigger Trees and Pickering Brook. And before I uh, pose the question, let's remind you what Bigger Trees does. They specialise in glorious frangipanis and ornamental fruit trees, and they have a fabulous new stock arriving every week. It's a real pleasure to simply stroll through Bigger Trees Nursery, and you can check out their online options too at biggertrees.com.au. And and also they're on Facebook as well. They're at Isaacs Road in Pickeringbrook, WA. You'll find them at www, as I said, biggertrees.com.au. $75 gift voucher to a Curtain Club member who possibly has not won anything in the last 28 days. Be gracious about this and honest, if you would, because uh, Bev will be asking you your membership number. Question for this morning, put together by John, the, uh, the master meister researcher out the back. In the Seals and Crofts song, Summer Breeze, which flower is the breeze blowing through in the singer's mind? Now, there's one to think about. In Seals and Crofts song, Summer Breeze, which flower is the breeze blowing through in the singer's mind? 94841927 is the number, and we'll look for our winner right after this. Curtain Radio it is 18 minutes to 10. Not that much time left for you to call us on 94841927 if you have a gardening question for Faye or our studio guest, uh, Dr. Daryl Hardy. Describe, Daryl, that photo that uh, John just brought in oh, of yeah. the house in Mornington Peninsula. Yeah, so it looks like... Um, Here it is. Yeah, yeah. How to describe it? It looks like... Um, it looks like... What a big sock. Yeah, well, it's massive, but it's hanging from the roof. Um, and it would be what two meters long. It looks like um, it's defying gravity too. Yes, it is, isn't it? It's hanging from the roof and it's growing out across. It looks like something you see in a horror movie, doesn't it? It's grey because that's the looks gray. like an egg carton. Yeah. Mm. So the grey is all cellulose. They chew up things like lamp poles and bark, and then they build the nest out. Looks of it. like a blob. Yeah, it's interesting when when they use uh, CCA lamp poles, the nest colour is green. Just the copper chrome arsenic into the uh, they, they actually pick it off and chew it up. But yeah, we, I'd say something like um, it looks like that space invader foam that's gone nuts. Anyway, there was I'd say there was fifty thousand wasps oh. there. What a Wonderful. good find. Thank you for that. I'll yeah. put that one in the bin. Okay, moving right along. We have a winner to our $75 um, gift voucher from Bigger Trees in Pickering Brook. The question I asked is, uh, in the Seals and Crofts song, Summer Breeze, which flower is the breeze blowing through in this singer's mind? And our lucky winner this morning is Peter in Subiaco. Blowing through the mind of Seals and Crofts was Jasmine. And if you're a musical nut, you'll know that that wasn't Seals and Crofts, in fact. It was a group called Stylus, but the song is the same, and that jasmine was blowing through my mind. Well done, Peter and Subiaco. To you, my dear Faye. Oh, I feel all very relaxed now, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll cover off a couple of emails. Barbara of Kinross has written in. She planted a dwarf bougainvillea about three years ago. It's outgrown the space that she chose to plant it in. But it's beautiful and prolific, prolific. so she would like to transplant it. Can this be done? If so, what time of the year is best? Should I prune it back before moving? If so, how far back? I have no idea how big is the size of the root ball. Uh, can you give, 
give me an idea. Well, it shouldn't be too, too hard to dig out. And even if you cut it back to ground level, they are amazing at coming back. So I think you've got a good chance of moving it. I I would just be wary. Even a dwarf bougainvillea can get very big. In fact, it can take on the life of a bougainvillea that's not that big. And I know that because Troy Devereux planted one in his beautiful tropical garden. And just as a side note, Troy's amazing garden was featured in the Sunday Times last weekend. And there he is pictured in amongst a beautiful range of bromeliads. So an outstanding garden. If you've still got the Sunday Times from last Sunday laying around, check it out. So I would uh, take as much as you can and you will be limited by what you can physically lift and remove. But now's probably a good time with the the weather being in the 20s. So definitely give it a go, Barbara. Rob of Wembley has written in, what is wrong with my rose bushes? I've given them horse manure and rose fertiliser and according to my probe, they have sufficient water. Well, without seeing a leaf, I can't tell if it's a nutrient or trace element deficiency or if it's environmental. We've had some pretty warm weather, so depending on the aspect they're in, We've also had quite a bit of wind and that can be affecting them as well. Don't know what your soil prep is other than what you've just told me or how long they've been in the ground and potentially it could be a pest problem. So, Daryl, what's happening, what's trending with pests on roses right now? Well, chili strips didn't mount a big attack this year, but some people have belatedly got them. So I think it's because we had a cooler weather. I think they really go often the hot weather, but it could be chilli thrips. There's lots of bacterial issues with roses as well, and, you know, so how they're watered and that. Um, might be a non-wetting soil somewhere a bit deeper. The probe might, you know, even they've got surface roots, and uh, maybe the roots are getting too warm, maybe mulch them up. And, you know, there's all... It's, it's, <laughs> Ro- it's, rose Care 101. Yeah, Rose yeah. Care, and, yeah, like I said earlier, roses, citrus and um, tomatoes, they, they can have they can be glorious, but they can also have issues and mm. working out which is the one is the problem. Well, Rob, I suggest what you, what you do and anyone else out there, and I think we touched on this briefly earlier, is if you haven't already, give them a, a cut back, uh, give them a tickle around the roots, make a well so that... The soil is away from the trunk of the bush. Uh, Top up your wetting agent. Give it a really good soaking. You could add blood and bone. You could dibble some slow-release fertiliser in there. Check pH. Check the pH. Give it some mulch. Give it the trim back and keep the water up to it, as in three good waterings a week should help. And see what happens in autumn. Good. All that right. sounds excellent. Do you want to take a break before we talk to Susan in Padbury? We can do. She's got a plum tree issue. 100.1 And it's almost 23 degrees in Perth on this beautiful sunny morning. And in Padbury, Susan is waiting to talk to us about a plum tree problem. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. Thank you. Um, I, I have a plum tree, a mature plum tree, and it's been in the house about 20 years, and it's about three metres high and it, and it was a mature tree then when we moved in and over the last couple of years it's um, not fruiting very well at all so in, at the end of winter I, I had it trimmed, uh, pruned right back 
the snakes is sprout again. It got some little fresh leaves on just on one side though, and then they just died off in the heat and, and it, it's not doing anything at all. So I just wondered, is it at the end of his lifespan or, or what should I do now? OK, Susan, stay listening. The reception from your hands-free in your car is very poor. We have the question and Faye and Daryl are here ready to answer now. Mm. So it does sound like it's in decline. Uh, what would normally be happening with plum trees now, they would be in full foliage. You could, uh, if it was a healthy tree, be considering doing some sun, summer pruning now. The benefit of a summer prune is that you don't get that prolific regrowth from a prune that you would do in winter time. It's possible that it, it might help you to have a, a tree surgeon or a specialist have a look at your tree if you were interested in saving it. Tree surgeons can can look at a lot of issues, uh, the location, the health of the trunk. Sometimes older trees can get what we call a canker and that can cause decline. Uh, it sounds like it's been happening for a little while. It's not sunning, but I'd also be looking at, at soil, uh, water, what else is going on around it. Sometimes if there are many other trees, they get to a point where they're, they're root girdled and that compromises what they've got access to, food and water. Uh, yeah, so I think having a specialist look at it, Susan, would be the best thing for you to do. Okay, that's fine. Sorry we had to let you go there, Susan, but uh, we got your question. The uh, audio was pretty rough, so I hope you got the answer too from uh, Faye. Let's talk to uh, Yvonne in Alfred Cove. Good morning, Yvonne. Uh, good morning, team. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Yvonne. How can we help you? Yeah, um, I've got a frangipani, um, which is a, a lovely shape. So if I was to cut off what I'm going to talk about, it would then look absolutely ridiculous. Um, one of the, I don't know whether you refer to a limb or a branch on a frangipani, has got a uh, piece taken out of the side of it, which is, um, looks dead. But below and above that is all looking good. Um, I don't want to, to break off if, once it gets bigger, is there anything I can do to support that limb or fill in the the bit that's gouged out? Or If it's damaged, it's compromised. And I would recommend remo um, removing back to healthy growth. But right. without seeing it, it's hard to say. If it has been damaged, oh, sometimes you can kind of wrap a bandage around it. If you're talking yep. about support, do you mean adding a, a stake underneath and giving it some physical support? No, I'm talking about uh, like a, an arm or a limb wrapping a bandage around it because below it is perfect. Above it is all shooting beautifully with beautiful leaves and all that. It's just that one side that's got this bit out of it and it looks dead, but everything above and below it is perfectly healthy so so it is um, it is working it, it it's doing it's, the, the limb's doing its job in the fact that the limb looks at or branch looks absolutely perfect apart from this chunk it's a structural when, thing basically when did the yep. the damage occur i have no idea because it was actually given to me so okay it um, sounds like it may have healed itself 
Okay. And, and you may not have to do anything without looking at it or seeing it. Yep. I, I can't be sure. If you can send a photo at all, Yvonne, that would help. Okay. Uh, we, uh, I can't do now because no. I'm okay. not at home. Uh, where do I? Where can I take a pic and send it to? Who do I send it to? Or gardening um, at curtainfm.com.au. We are on Facebook. Uh, uh-huh. And each week I put up a post on the Curtain Facebook page as well as the Let's Talk Gardening Facebook page. And there are links to the podcast, uh, the email address and the phone number are all there as well. Oh, brilliant. All right. Well, um, when I get home later today or tomorrow, I'll take a pic and forward it to you. And then I look forward to whatever your advice to keep it looking healthy. Yeah, so Yvonne, when you send the photo in, can you send a couple, yep. one of the actual damage close-up and one standing back showing the whole plant so you can see where yep. the damage is and just give an idea of what, you know, help with... Context. Yeah, con- that's exactly good word. Thank Context. you. Yes. Thanks, Yvonne. <laughs> Thanks, Yvonne. Have a lovely weekend and I hope you'll play safe in the garden and a lovely, lovely day for gardening it is too. Here we have Dr. Daryl Hardy in the studio. Not many minutes to go. Any tips for us to... I know you've been on leave, but yeah. come on, let's give oh, the well, tips well, for the autumn. Okay, well, I won't give tips. Or I'll just give a plug about we've got QFly, um, another outbreak. I think this is the eighth one I've been involved with. Um, now, this one's in Bayswater. We've found enough flies in our trapping grid to indicate we've got a breeding population. So departmental staff will be doing door knocks and letter drops at the moment and the next few weeks, and we'll be trying to work out where the actual infestation is. And then... Uh, mount uh, a treatment to eradicate it. Now, just before everybody gets on the high horses, we use organic solutions to treating this these days, have done for the last 20 years. So anybody in um, in Bayswater that's uh, approached by a department officer asks for their ID because we have had people that pretend to be department officers to get access to your property. Uh, all our people will have IDs and, and can provide you with a number if you want to ring up and check their credentials. Okay, so, yeah, we're going to be quite active in that space. You talked about how um, um, wasps, particularly paper wasps, move on containers and other such things like yeah. that. Um, do we have any risk of the Asian house gecko this, coming this far south? Well, like I said earlier, it, it, they're, they're thinking now that it, it, there may be a population in the northern suburbs. Um, ah. That's what I've heard from um, people in parks and wildlife. They're investigating it. And it may be just a transient thing. They may have caught a, you know, a few geckos. Caught and a truckload down. Yeah, and they may not survive our winter. But as our winters are getting milder and milder, and we know mm. with the giant grasshopper, the Valenga, that never used to be here, and then since about 2012, it survives the winter. So it's just a wait and see. But certainly the environment's changing, and yeah, biology always finds a way. If things want to get in, they usually do. So, Daryl, the, the Queensland fruit fly what would that be targeting okay. uh, how does it so, so the other breed? thing is yeah so same as the med fly it's just a more robust larger fly um more aggressive and it has a lot more hosts than the med fly so if you're noticing um things that aren't usually attacked by med flies like your figs that aren't usually attacked and you find your figs are attacked because mm-hmm. q fly might like the figs better or things like pomegranates things like um, avocados, things like passion fruit. If you're finding maggots and those sorts of things, um, you can use the My Pest Guide reporter app and send in a photograph or ring the Pest and Disease Information Service on 93683080. Say that again. Pest Pe- people are not that fast at writing it yeah, down. They've got the pencil and paper handy yeah. now. Pest and Disease Information Service, they can Google that. 
as PADIS or just Pest and Disease Information Service and 9368 3080. Got it. Thank you. Now, Chris, just quickly, mm-hmm. thanks, Greg. He sent him photos of his sweet corn. And yes, as described, they are dry. Looking at the plants, Greg, they are also dry. So this was an indication uh, as they were growing. They weren't lush and happy. They they have struggled. Uh, there's a lot of dead, dying back leafy plants. If you look at the cornfields in America, you'll see what sweet corn and maize should look like when it's growing. But they need Green, lots of water. healthy, water. And, robust. And lots yeah. of MPK. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So that's it. And, and no overhead sprinklers. No overhead sprinklers. When the cobs are forming. Yes. Because otherwise the water draws down yeah. into the... Okay. We know what we're talking about there. That's about it, Faye. Fantastic. Closing Thank words. you, Chris. Oh, well, yeah. Stay well. Yeah. Keep your pulses healthy. And what are you going to do in your garden this weekend? I will be at the Kalamunda Garden Festival tomorrow. tomorrow yes. But I will be just in which uh, tent? wandering. Which tent? The Tony and Sons market. And your title of your of your emceeing uh, role? Well, I spy with my little eye. Super. I hope everyone will wander along there and say hi to Faye, whether it's before or afterwards. She loves to have a yarn. And uh, Dr. Darrell, thank you very much for coming in and joining us this morning. Thank you both for having me. We've covered so many things. We have. And in all in two hours. And I must say, Let's Talk Gardening, I should remember and remind you, is sponsored by Garden in a Bag. Free delivery and a free bag of your product when you buy six bags or more. Thanks for your company. More gardening next week, of course, between 8 and 10 here on Curtain FM. George Minaldi waits in the wings. Please remember double demerit points over this weekend. Just behave yourself on the roads and stay safe. And remember to to wear a hat because it's still 10 on the UV index all across the weekend. And we want you to stay safe. It's 10 o'clock. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.